from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got a paranormal thriller by S.A. Harian called Briar Dark, a mind-bending mystery, a fight for survival, a forest that defies the limits of reality, Dead Switch Wilderness is a researcher's dream, and Dr. Sienna DuPont finally has her chance to study the untamed backcountry. But when an uncharted path leads her team to the body of a hiker who has been missing for a decade and their trail home vanishes as if it never existed, what started as a research expedition morphs into a supernatural nightmare from which they can't escape. S.A. Harian is the author of the soon-to-be-novelized serial Briar Dark and has traditionally and independently published several other novels in genres ranging from horror to romantic comedy. She currently lives in the Pacific Northwest with her partner and dog and spends her free time traveling, hiking, and screaming at scary video games. And now a sample of Briar Dark, episode one. After everything that Avery had been through, she wasn't about to die from some damn lightning bolt, which meant she needed to get off this wet granite, fast. Thunder rumbled a warning from the valley as she sprinted across the bald face of the mountain. Her feet squelched in her boots, the dangling tatters of her hiking pants slapping against her calf. Naomi, she screamed without stopping. All that Avery saw in the bouncing light of her headlamp was rain and darkness and granite stretching in every direction. She searched within her body for any sign of an imminent lightning strike but felt no tingling, no static. The metallic taste in her mouth was from biting through her tongue minutes before. Was she actually disappointed? Was being electrocuted and fried alive better than the alternative? The ghost of Paige's long, drawn-out scream of terror echoed through Avery's skull. Yes, much better than the alternative. Squinting, she glimpsed the cusp of the forest in a flash of red. Naomi's shell. Avery was too out of breath to call out to her, not that she wanted Naomi to wait. Waiting had been a fool's game since they'd entered the forest. The worn pair of Columbia hikers, a gift from her father for her 20th, finally lost traction on the slick granite. Avery careened forward, swearing as rock tore through her palms. The shiver that gripped her spine was so violent, she felt tossed around like a rag doll by her own fear. Maybe dying this way was better. She had survived this long and deep into the wilderness. She blamed herself for so much since they'd gotten lost, but couldn't blame herself for falling especially if it meant that she was now bait and Naomi would escape one more time. Avery spit out a mouthful of blood and looked up as lightning split the sky. The rain hovered for a moment, as if the stone's throw space between Naomi and herself was effervescent. The night fell dark again, but the image was burned into Avery's retinas like she'd been staring at the sun. Naomi, standing still, dark hair plastered against her face, body drenched and stunted by the silhouette behind her, a monstrous, willowy thing. Slenderman, or a dark watcher, or a wendigo, the shape of some thin childhood evil. It had only ever appeared to them as a shadow, a shock of black against the night. Darker than nothing. It had found them. No, it had been with them the whole time they were running. How naive she had been to think it ever left. Run! Avery's voice escaped her in a strangled yowl as she lay sprawled on the rock. 
The wind picked up in a whoosh, spraying rain against her face. She blinked the water away, her headlamp light bouncing off rock and high Sierra shrub until she found Naomi's red jacket again. The shadow behind her was gone. But that's what this darkness did. It was cancer, leaving and returning hungrier, manifesting in other places, wounding in deeper ways. Avery could feel it inside of her now, the dread and inevitability of everything. She knew Naomi felt it too. Naomi's shoulders wilted when she finally saw Avery, her body language too raw and familiar. Avery had seen it with the others too, before they... The blade at Naomi's side flashed as lightning struck again. Avery's hunting knife. She'd given it to Naomi a few weeks ago. Maybe a few weeks. Maybe days. She didn't know how long she'd spent in this godforsaken place anymore. How much time it had stolen from her. The ring quieted. The hush so sudden and unsettling that Avery felt it deep in her bones. You'll get out, Naomi cried. Avery could hardly see her in the headlamp light, but she knew Naomi was smiling. Naomi always had the audacity to smile when shit was about to take a turn for the worst. Several things happened at once. A rumble within the heart of the mountain, somewhere beneath millions of years of rock and sediment. A ringing in Avery's ear that made the world spin. Her vision sharpened as a shadow re-emerged, rising from the ground and curling around Naomi's feet. No, it couldn't take her, not Naomi. Naomi, who'd been so afraid. Naomi, who was all that Avery had left. And yet Avery didn't fight. She took the coward's way out, like she always did, and shut her eyes. So JP, let's talk about Later Press. So Later Press is a platform built to help authors uh, declare their independence. It lets authors create digital books and sell them directly to their readers through their own branded website. And there are new things uh, coming to the platform every day in terms of discoverability and new features. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I actually, I put nerds on Later Press and it was a really easy and really fast uh, process, which was pretty cool. And one of the cool things was you can put a collection and then you can put your, uh, like we put nerds in the collection uh, so that ideally if we do any spinoffs or if we do any like season two or like specifying those pieces, you can put those books in the collection, which yeah. is really nice. And it's a really nice way of like hierarchical, hierarchical uh, pieces to it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it basically gives you your own website. Ours is nrds.laterpress.com. And you just direct your readers straight there and they see nerds. It, it doesn't get blocked by anything else. There are no ads in the way. There are no, like nothing. It's just straight up nerds content for your readers to get straight to reading, uh, which is uh, different than some other platforms, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I did the same thing, um, although I uploaded uh, all of my books to a collection just so I had one place you know, to, to direct mm -hmm. readers. And so I have Molecule Thief, Dark is Away, and the Steampunk Emerald Key is up there. So it's one link. People can see all your books and you can order them whatever way you want, uh, you know, or your yeah. cereals. You can put cereals up as well. And uh, yeah, and you can do it on a subscription model or pay per book. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which was a, a really cool. Yeah, yeah, the pricing thing was pretty cool. Figuring out uh, either doing per book or some type of a subscription model uh, just to kind of give your readers different abilities to 
support you because some people really like the, you know, it's basically like a Patreon, but yep. you just get content to read. Yep. And the cut is just 5%. Yeah. So test it out. Try it out. Yeah. Laterpress.com. See you later, press. All right. So we start off on a dark and stormy night in the middle of a forest. Oh, and there's a monster stalking the character. What inspired you to write this serial? Um, what didn't inspire me to write this serial? I, it, it was an interesting point when I started it because it was like mid-pandemic. Um, I am from a traditional author background. And so I had written this project of my dreams and it was such a great book, I thought. And then I went out on submission with my, uh, my agent and, uh, no one wanted it because, you know, that was kind of the state of publishing at the time. And it's still kind of the state of publishing. And, um, I had all of these ideas that were just like shiny new ideas, you know, in my brain, kind of racking them up. Um, but I was, you know, I was like, do I, do I want to pursue one of these if, if I can't get it published? Um, and then I had a couple of friends tell me about Vela and I was just like, I don't know, F it. Let's just like, <laughs> I have all of these ideas and they could actually be one idea and it might be a little nuts, but I, I think I'm just going to write all of this into one serial because that's what I feel like doing. And I got re myself really excited. Um, I had already had some of these characters fleshed out, but they were from different stories. But when I put them all together, it was like magic, like something just happened. That. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, so that's what happens. Like, I, I don't know. I just kind of, went with it. I just had all the stuff built up and I just, I just went with it. Yeah. And a marriage of perfect ideas. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it was cool. So with all these different ideas, I want to know which character you're excited for readers to read about and why. Oh, there's so many of them. Um, well, my favorite character, I, I guess like there's, there's, different groups of characters within uh, the serial. Um, there are a group of scientists who are going out to do their study. Um, so there's a group of four of them. Um, Sienna is technically the main character, but then Cam is kind of a secondary character. They're both, um, you know, the PIs of the study. Um, and then there's this like second timeline, like you don't really know at the beginning um, where there's Holden and Holden is just this dude. Like he's just this guy that's just kind of living his life and he doesn't really know where he's going and he has this crappy job. Um, I, I personally love Cam. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to choose favorites cause they're like babies, but like, I, I really do <laughs> love Cam the most. Um, I, I, there's something that happens when I write her and I really love her story. Um, but uh, God, I, everybody loves Holden. Like everybody who reads this really loves Holden. And I think it's just because he's so relatable. He's so relatable, but he's like, you feel bad for him a little bit, but he's such a doof too. Um, so I think that like, I'm, I, I do really like when characters do connect with him. Um, he's a lot of fun to write too. I think he's probably the easiest to write. So. Excellent. So, uh, what is one thing about this story that you want listeners to know or to be excited about? Um, I really love writing toward suspense and mystery. So that's how I am as a horror reader. I don't love every horror book I pick up. I'm actually really picky, but the ones that I do love are, you know, generally a little cosmic in nature and tend to lean towards suspense and mystery, usually there's, you know, when there's some kind of mystical or magic element involved, um, 
some of the things that really inspired me for this series, um, first was Lost. So I love Lost. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, I love how they take all of these characters and throw them together and you start learning pieces of their history and learning pieces about the island. Um, And it's all just slowly sprinkled in. Uh, That's really what grips me as a reader or a watcher. Um, And then the other thing that really inspired this was House of Leaves, um, which was, you know, it's one of the classic novels, horror novels, um, for multiple reasons, you either hate it or you love it. But um, again, one of the things that I really love about that book is that it, there is such a deep fear of the unknown. Um, and I wanted to play around with that a lot. So I think that if you are a reader and you're looking for something, you know, that definitely, you know, keeps, holds back a lot of information for that element of suspense, then you'll be, you'll be into Briar Dark, hopefully. Excellent. Yeah. I'm also a big House of Leaves fan. It was just so unsettling and something's just slightly off and they're just going after it. So with that reference, um, I also want to know what your favorite horror trope is. Oh, I have to pick just one. Um, you can pick more than one. We'll be generous. <laughs> I really love, um, I really love survival horror a lot. Um, I love it in uh, movies and in books and games. It's not really, that's not really a trope. That's more of a genre. Um, I, I really like the, so I guess like in tropes, like I really like, and this kind of, I guess for, for most elements or most sci-fi and fantasy, um, you know, the scientists, like I always have scientists and generally in everything that I write, um, one of my favorite horror novels is Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. And that, you know, there's a lot of scientists there. Um, I like how they really heighten. Um, I Like, I love it when you have scientist characters that are very intelligent and can, ex- like, they think that they can explain everything, but then they get stumped. And that, that really is daunting for you as a reader because it's like well if this smart character doesn't know it then something really must be going on um so I think that's probably one of my my favorite tropes slash character um archetypes yeah I definitely love that too especially like when you run into this moment where the scientist is just like I have no idea (laughs) and then you just everything's unfolding in Uh front of everyone's eyes and everyone's terrified Mm -hmm. yeah and it might not even be scientists like maybe it's just like a a specialist in something right not necessarily Mm -hmm. like a paranormal specialist but like a specialist in a real world thing where they think that they know what this is and all of a sudden they realize that they don't and that's when the horror steps in that's always really cool yeah definitely So you live in the Pacific Northwest. I'm curious, how has that experience influenced your writing? Um, I am a big forest person, which shouldn't come as a surprise. I'm a big mountains girl, mountain girl, I guess. Um, I grew up um, in the Southgate area of Yosemite. Um, So a lot of my inspiration, um, you know, for, for, novels that I was writing 10 years ago, plus Briar Dark came from that, the Sierra Nevadas. Um, and then, you know, these, the forests up here are completely different. So it's like a, a different, like everything about it, just because they're like wetter and, you know, it's, it's a different vibe that you get from, from being in, in nature up here. Um, I was just at the whole rainforest up in the Olympic peninsula. And that's like, a totally different world than like a California dry forest. Like you're just, you go in and you're just soaked all the time. Um, I, I think that every 
I, I love writing fiction based in forests and I think spending a lot of time, you know, maybe not necessarily in the wilderness, but just in, you know, the city parks and stuff, you start the smells and like the feeling, even the feeling of like getting lost, you know, or thinking that you don't know your way out or something like all of that collected, you know, in my experiences has always played a role in my fiction. So yeah. And I love it here. It's, it's great. It's so beautiful. That's awesome. So I just want to dig a little bit more into that. So you've mentioned that while Death Switch is an imaginary place, Mm -hmm. there are some real world places in Briar Dark. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what makes for a good real world location that would make the cut for you to put it into Briar Dark onto the page? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. So like Dead Switch was, was definitely, um, it was completely based off of where I lived in California. There's this place called Ansel Adams Wilderness. Um, you know, I, I basically just mocked, did a mock of Ansel Adams Wilderness and made it into Dead Switch. Um, I, and then, you know, once I don't want to ruin anything, but like there are, the characters step into um, places within Dead Switch then sudden, that suddenly don't feel like California, right? There's mist in the air. There's moss on the ground. There's fungus, like, and they know this isn't normal. They they come across a cypress tree and they're like, cypresses don't grow when you're 10,000 feet, you know, in elevation. So what's going on? Um, and so like there's elements of uh, the Pacific Northwest that kind of slip in there too. elements of the, you know, Southern swamps uh, that slip in. Um, I just love natural places that are like rich and dark um, that seem to just be holding a lot of mystery in themselves. I love caves. I love just like bottomless places. Like again, the whole fear of the unknown, not a huge fan of deserts. So you probably won't see me writing anything in a desert. I'm not, I'm not big on those. To know. <laughs> so, so you, uh, you enjoy video games, yeah. uh, you stream them. And uh, you've also mentioned that you specifically like Bethesda games. Um, but I'm curious, what inspirations do you pull from video games that make it into your writing? Uh, the past two, like uh, uh, Briar Dark was totally inspired by um, a video game that I was playing. Um, it's called Darkwood. It's a very, very cool game. Very scary. You should definitely check it out. Uh, but I feel like m- a lot of projects that I work on are initially inspired by uh, a video game or partially inspired by a video game. I don't know if it's because when you're playing a game, you're like so immersed in it, you're making choices. Um, you know, you're, you have some effect on the narrative that is like the, what really triggers the inspiration for me. But I feel like video games definitely inspire me more so than other books. And I, I, that's the only way thing that I can figure out why. And also like, I don't get really scared reading. Like I don't, I'm not really like, I don't like read and then I can't sleep after I finish reading regardless of how scary the book is, but a games, games are scary. Like games terrify me Mm -hmm. because you're actually in there and maybe that has something to do with it too. Um, But I definitely, you know, I, I, uh, the book before that uh, uh, was a space horror that I wrote. Um, And I was really inspired by the game Prey, which is also a space horror. Um, And so I feel like the last few projects that I've worked on have been inspired by video games. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, 
we're in two seasons of Briar Dark now. Mm-hmm. Have you had any audience interaction with the story or any kind of participation from them? Um, I don't necessarily know if I've had uh, a participation in a way where people, well, no, that's a lie. Um, I, I feel like the coolest thing about writing a serial and writing something that's ongoing in a way that it's like this slow release um, is that you do have people telling you, you know, who they like, what they want, what they're confused about, you know, where they hope something is going. Um, you know, I, you hear things like, oh, I don't remember this character. And you're like, how do you not remember this character? This character was in the very first episode. Like she's incredibly important. And then you realize, I guess I need to bring her back in. Um, so it's less of like, they, you know, it's less like people telling me, you know, you should take the story this way and me being like, oh yeah, I'll take the story this way. And more just, you know, people saying, oh, I really love that character. Me having no idea that that character was super lovable. And then being like, oh, and now I should probably not kill him off. You know, like if people really connect with it, but you get that immediate feedback, you know, versus writing a whole novel at once and then people loving a character and then you know, you finding out through their statuses on Goodreads and then just being like, oh, <laughs> sorry, he's not going to survive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool to get that um, feedback throughout throughout writing. I agree. Uh, is there anything you haven't explored yet that you plan to or want to within this uh, series or within any of your other works? Um, yeah, I... I think that the cool thing about, um, I guess, Briar Dark and then starting it on Vela and and writing it on a platform where there's really, where I basically said, you know, I, I chose to not follow any rules in regards to writing for markets um, or writing in a specific, very specific genre. Like I knew that probably hurt me in terms of readership, you know, not, not being able to market to a niche. Um, but I chose that because I decided that I, I just want to write what I want. Um, so Briar Dark starts off pretty narrow. Um, you know, there's just this group of scientists, they're going into the woods, you know, there's some, there's some clues that this is going to be, you know, a horror story taking place in the woods, but, you know, up for the first, like, I guess most of season one, you know, it, it reads pretty standard horror, even though there's still a lot of mystery. Um, what I have planned for it is that, you know, a lot of horror are, is usually standalone novels, right? Like they usually end, um, there's a very few horror series out there, um, or I guess limited horror series out there. Um, but I wanted to make this epic. Like I've always wanted to make it epic. So I have a, I, I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface of the story. Um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna open up and become more fantasy heavy. Um, you know, there's going to be more characters involved, um, you know, plot points that I kind of hinted at early on are going to wrap back around in much later seasons or, or novels because I'm planning on novelizing it. Um, so I have so much planned for this and I'm really excited. That's awesome. I can't wait to see what you do with it. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was great. Our thanks today to S.A. Harian for letting us share their episode. If you liked it, you can read Briar Dark by going to briardark.com. The link is in the show notes. And, and that's, that's a wrap. wrap.
Okay, have you have you played the Dark Pictures anthology series? No, I haven't. Or, it's like the um now my brain's like giving up on everything. Uh, have you played this that I'm not going to tell you what it is? Um, <laughs> it's basically like those quick action choices that you have to make throughout the series and um House of Ashes. Okay. That sounds yes. familiar. I haven't so, played yeah, it though. That was a recent one. Then there was like a, a Salem one that just happened before that. And then before that, there was, um, oh, Until Dawn was a um, got it a, a pseudo prequel to it. So is that just um, narrative fiction or is it just like interactive fiction or is there like, like, is it more, I guess, like meaty than that? So you get to walk around in third person view okay. uh, with the character okay. and you get to pick up objects and run for your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then there are quick action buttons that you have to hit uh, in order to not trip over stuff that you may not see ahead of time. Or, um, like, you have to hold the controller very still if you're playing on, like, the PlayStation uh, for, like, heartbeats or making sure that, like, the, the killer isn't seeing you. Um, and then, yeah, like, all the choices you make, like, in, in uh, Until Dawn, all of the characters could survive or none of the characters could survive based off of your choices. Oh, cool. So, yeah, and I really enjoy um, just, like, how that went. Um, I think I ended up, like, I got really mad because I almost saved everyone, or my favorite character, at least, and then right at the end, just no, nope. like, killed everybody. Good yeah. job. I, yep. um, so I really like games like that, so I'll definitely check it out. I actually think I might have one or more of those on my Steam wish list, um, so I'll have to go back and look. I, I played recently this game... Um, and there's, I don't know if there's more than one out right now, but they're coming out with a new one. The The series is called Horror Tales. Um, and the one mm-hmm. that I'm playing is called The Wine. And it's, it's like based in like an apocalyptic historical, I want to say Spain, but it might be Italy. Um, and, and something has happened to the island and everybody's dead, but you have to go back and get wine for some reason. <laughs> and then this like... You, As you, you start, do. yeah, and you start finding like all of these like decrees on the wall, and like you figure start piecing out like what happened in this in this island, um, and then there's this dude chasing you, of course, like, like but it's but it's kind of cosmic that. in a way where it's like you're running down a hall, and then you have to go like pull a lever, and then you turn around, and it looks nothing different than the hall that you yep. ran, and it's like so yep. seamless that way, and I that to me is so spooky, like that just gives me chills. Hey. Have why. you okay? So this this leans a little closer into sci-fi cosmic than it does horror. But uh-huh. have you played Control? I have Control. It is on my Switch. I am very excited it's to play. My favorite. Okay. Oh, it is my favorite. That is my like top all-time favorite game. Yeah, so, that was the thing where I was it. like, after I finished Prey, and I was like, you know, searching all of Reddit trying to find games that gave me a similar feeling. Like I came up with Soma and uh, you know, Alien Isolation and stuff. Uh, but that was one of the ones that that people once Control came out, people were like, oh, if you like Prey, play Control. So I got it for I want to say free or really cheap on Switch. Yes. Um, so I'll be awesome. I'll be checking that out soon. So when you stream that, let me know and I will watch you because okay, you'll be I can't it. wait to watch someone play through it again. <laughs> okay. oh, well, all I've been hearing about it, lately is oh, Disco so Elysium. My guess it's... Oh, but, yeah. Are you playing oh, that yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. I heard that was pretty I, good. I own it. I, I heard that the uh, yeah. storytelling, like the, all the writers that are video gamers are nuts about the storytelling in mm-hmm, it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that one's like a pretty long RPG, I think. But Oh, is it? I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't know. I'm not. A, I you just get mad at your sons who, who plays the VR when we. I don't know. Get off the VR. 
he's, he's playing Switch right now, so I don't know what he's playing. I think he's playing Paper Mario. So uh, oh, that's a little yeah. better. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you look so shorn. Do you shave for your work trip? I'm like, you have less facial hair. I did because um, I've noticed that like if I don't shave before and then I'm here for two weeks, I just like I start eating my hair. <laughs> Ew. Thanks. That's what you get for having <laughs> hair on your face. Is it just? I've never had hair mouth? on my face. I guess I'll try that out sometime. Okay. Choice. 